Oh, hello, Popheads. Welcome to issue 103 of the TomCast Podcast, coming to you from the safety and security of the Tom Cave, where no virus can penetrate my hermetically sealed walls. My name is Tom. Thank you so much for listening to this quality independent podcast that you can follow along on social media at TomCastPopCast on Twitter and Instagram. Please email the show, TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. And finally, you can join Pophead Nation, become an official member by heading over to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast, where you can hang out with such other super cool official members as the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman at Bay Park, Mr. Jeff Neal, co-host of the Ringineer Music Podcast. Also, thanks to other Patreon, fellow Patreons, excuse me, Evil Circle, the evilest of all the circles, the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, and introducing the newest member of Pophead Nation, the New Jersey Devil himself, Mark Wegemer. Welcome to Pophead Nation. Finally, you, you, the, the, uh, the listener of this fine podcast, make sure you are subscribed. You're liking the show. You're sharing the show with all your friends and family and, and even people you don't like that much. Give it to everybody because it'll make the world a better place in the long run. And if you have the time, write us those five-star reviews. They go a really long way to uh, getting the word out about this podcast and all the good things we're doing over here in the Tom Cave, outside of the Tom Cave. Wherever the podcast takes us, we'll go. Uh, though it does seem like we're stuck inside for ever. So, <laughs> hey, what are you going to do? It's a pandemic. Anyways, we're here this week. Uh, this is the third show this week. Can you believe it? We're really uh, cranking them out right now. It just, just happened to be a uh, really good week to, to record some shows. So I, I had the time and the inclination. And with Comic-Con at home happening, uh, the news came to us for once, finally. You know, it's been a little slow going in the COVID world. But now that uh, now that the pandemic has taken over... They saved all the good stuff for, for Comic-Con at Home Week. So that's what we're going to do today. That's why I have the show. This is a solo show. Uh, I have not introduced Roger or, or, or Ken or Mark or Reagan or anybody else today because I'm just doing this one by myself because so much has happened so quickly that it just seemed to make a little bit of sense to kind of get this out there, share the, what's going on with, with Comic-Con at Home news. Uh, we got a few things to talk about, a, a few other things I want to talk about that I know... Um, that I might be the only person who can talk about because I think I'm probably the only person watching them. So that's one reason why we're doing this. Let's transition into the show proper, shall we? Hold on to your butts and buckle up. You're going nowhere. I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of heat time. All right, the first piece of news we have for you today is something that we probably should have had on the podcast uh, earlier in the week. But for reasons that are unknown to me, I simply forgot to add it to the show notes. Uh, and if you're a member of Pophead Nation and you're, you're getting the special uh, Patreon episodes of the, the, the special video content that I'm, I'm producing for Patreons, uh, uh, this is something that I've talked to you guys about before. I've recommended these books to you in the past. So if the name Usagi Yojimbo sounds familiar to you, it's probably because uh, you had sweet access to my brain months ago. And Apparently, I am uh, aware of future events uh, because it has been announced that Usagi Yojimbo is going to be a cartoon coming to Netflix. Now, it's not going to be quite the same thing as as the, the, the comic book that I shared with you, the, the Stan Sakai created Usagi Yojimbo, which is about the anthropomorphic samurai rabbit uh, in feudal Japan. 
No, this is going to be a little bit of a different take on the, on the character, on the concept. We're going to be following a we're going to be following a descendant of Usagi's. So something a little a little new. A, a teenage rabbit named Uichi, uh, who strives to become a samurai like his legendary ancestor Usagi. Uh, there's going to be a group of a of uh, I guess a squad, a, a team of other characters, other anthropomorphic creatures. There's going to be a roguish bounty hunter, a cunning ninja, an acrobatic pickpocket, and of course, a faithful pet lizard, because it's Usagi Ojimbo, and those little lizard creatures are all over that comic book. So why not have a faithful one as your pet? And if it if Stan Sakai's involved, this is also coming from James Wan's uh, uh, Atomic Monster production house, so I think we can be optimistic that this this, even though it's not a direct adaptation of Stan Sakai's Usagi, that it will be uh, in the same vein, in the same spirit. And uh, one of the things I mentioned to the Patreons when I talked about the comic book series was, uh, first of all, the, the setting is, is fantastic. Uh, yes, it's anthropomorphic rabbits and, and rhinoceroses and, and, and creatures, but it's, it's these wonderful uh, uh, parables uh, uh, and, and, and tales from feudal Japan and based on legend and mythology and, and Japanese ghost stories. And uh, it's a wonderful w- way to ex- explore Japanese history and Japanese culture uh, through this this anthropomorphized universe. Uh, so I love the comic book. I highly, highly recommend it. And I'm extremely uh, excited and curious for this new Usagi cartoon to, to be coming out from Netflix. Uh, we don't have any details on, on when it will happen, but one of the good news is, is you know, despite the pandemic raging, uh, animation is still happening because apparently that is a, a, a decent amount of work that can be done uh, from people's homes and their home studios and, and things of that nature. So uh, uh, animation, despite, despite the pandemic, uh, plows ahead in the world. So get ready for the Usagi cartoon, and I'm sure that's going to be something we talk about more as we get closer to it happening. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up, it was just announced today that Disney... Now, this is no surprise, all right? I think we all expected this to be happening. But because of COVID-19 and the pandemic and shutting down of Hollywood, uh, Disney and Lucasfilms has announced that everything on the Star Wars schedule, movie-wise, is being pushed back one year. So the untitled Star Wars movie previously set for December 16th, 2022, will now be December 22nd, 2023. The the uh, film planned for tw- uh, December twentieth, twenty twenty four is now December nineteenth, twenty twenty five, and the the film scheduled for December eighteenth, twenty twenty six is now delayed to December seventeenth, twenty twenty seven. So make sure uh, you know you hang on to your tickets if you got them already. Okay, uh, we don't know anything about these these movies, but uh, uh, Disney being uh, aggressive with their scheduling as they are, you know they locked up those dates as is ahead of time, and that's how it goes. We, again, we don't know what these movies are going to be. We don't know if this is, these are the Kevin Feige movies or if this is that Ryan Johnson trilogy that had been long talked about. Who knows? Maybe it was the Taika Waititi ones we talked about. Maybe it's the, these uh, Christy Wilson Karen's ones that we talked about also. I, it's, it's hard to say. We don't know anything about it. But they're all bumped. Everything's bumped. I think we all know that. Ten has been bumped 14 times, the, the, new, the new Chris Nolan movie. Uh, um... Another movie that we're talking about, that we'll talk about later, has been bumped and changed. And I mean, there's just so much going on. And, you know, you can, it is what it is. What are you going to do? So, Star Wars delayed again. That's the bottom line on that one. 
since we're speaking of Star Wars, we should talk about a big rumor. Uh, I was t- I was texting with Roger about this because it is just a rumor. It's not confirmed, there at least not yet. Um, but it's being reported by. It was reported on a podcast, and well, what does that mean? I mean, that's that's not a verified source of journalism, is it? Well, these guys do have a track record. They apparently uh, uh, weeks ago, maybe even months ago, they they announced on their podcast that the Bad Batch. Star Wars Clone Wars animated series was going to happen, that that was going to be a thing. Uh, and that was, again, weeks or months ahead of the recent announcement of the Bad Batch cartoon. So they seem to have a track record or in, of, of, of maybe they have an insider somewhere giving them reliable information. But they are reporting on their podcast that there will be a Disney Plus Lando series starring Donald Glover. Now, that sounds great. I would be delighted to see the Lando uh, uh, series with Donald Glover. I really, really would. I, I enjoyed his portrayal in Solo. And I would love to see a show furthering the adventures of Lando. Uh, I mean, we speculate on this show how they should get Alden Ehrenreich to be doing a Han Solo show. I mean, why don't they just do it together? It'd be super fun. Like the crazy buddy cop show that we've always wanted in the Star Wars universe. The only thing that I have to to wonder about with the with this rumor is that like Donald Glover is like really 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 busy. He's got a ton of of projects on his plate. Uh so it just seemed a little odd that this would be announced. Well, again, it's not announced. It's a rumor. So I, I guess it just seemed odd that he would put a put another start spinning another plate, but maybe this is something that's so far down the road that he's like, "Yeah, I can do that in 3 years. So let's lock it down now." I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. We'll see what happens. Maybe there's an announcement over Comic-Con weekend or Comic-Con at home weekend. Uh, I don't know for sure. But the the possibilities are, are exciting. I would, you know, the more stuff that ends up on Disney+, Plus, in my opinion, the better. Uh, I like the, the exploration of, of these characters through the medium of, of episodic television. Um, so I'm on game, and more Donald Glover would be great. And there's even rumors that uh, that Billy D. Williams would possibly come back and provide a, 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 like a, like a framing narrative, you know, to uh, these are my adventures from back in the day in the corporate sector, you know, something along those lines. Um, you know, again, it's a rumor. We we know nothing. There's nothing else to go on. So get excited, but do so with a little bit of caution, a little bit of restraint. That's all we can advise at this point. So. From the world of Star Wars, we will now transition to another world, <laughs> another part of a galaxy. And uh, let's talk a little bit about Star Trek, because Star Trek had their panels today for for Comic-Con at home. Um, I watched the majority of the panels. There wasn't a whole lot new to to really discuss, per se. Uh, you know, nothing... They, they, I, they didn't give a date for Discovery Season 3. We we you know they they reunited the cast for Picard to kind of do a, a talk about getting it together and how they all how how much they all had fun uh, filming the first season of Picard but nothing to talk about for season two really they didn't even have any of the writers or showrunners unless they came on after I turned it off because I, I did get a little bored I'm not gonna lie <laughs> so <laughs> but it just kind of seemed to be like a, a look back kind of thing and not necessarily a look look ahead um, but again maybe I missed out maybe Mark, maybe Mark Bernard popped in in the last five minutes and said hey this is happening but. That didn't pop up on my uh, internet feed, so I'm assuming we're safe with having little information. So the two Star Trek things we can talk about uh, are the Lower Decks animated series, which is debuting on CBS, CBS All Access, 
uh, August 6th. And it's, uh, I, well, there's a trailer out now. And if you watch the Star Trek panel at Star Wars at Home, I'm sorry, at Star Wars at Home, at, on, from Comic-Con at Home, uh, you would see that this is a very, it's different. For uh, I'm, I'm giving you my perspective on this because the show, <laughs> I think the cartoon looks pretty good. I'll be honest with you, but it does. it is the last thing I expected from a Star Trek cartoon. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think I'm very used to uh, the Star Trek, you know, the very serious Star Trek, the very, uh, you know, goal-oriented, uh, the best of humanity kind of Star Trek. And I know, I know New Trek, like Discovery, is not exactly embodying all the classic elements of original Trek and even next-gen Trek, you know, the, the era of Trek from the 90s. Uh, you know, the new era of Trek is very, very different. They, they, say, they say fuck and stuff like that. Uh, and this cartoon looks like, um, well, it's got a Rick and Morty-esque vibe to it. Because there's a lot of hijinks. It's, it's hijinks and misadventures of, of, of the crew beneath the crew. And, uh, again, I, I'm kind of bumping up against the fact that, like, oh, my gosh, this looks like the zany adventures of the B team. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think from my perspective and my own history with Star Trek was, you know, the last time I saw a Star Trek cartoon, uh, it was the Star Trek cartoon with Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and... Uh, and, and DeForest Kelly, you know, the, the cast of original Trek animated as they kind of did 30-minute episodic adventures that were very much in the vein of the original series. They just happened to be animated. I thought that was a lovely cartoon. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's almost, that, I think it's even considered canon because that, 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 that's how serious the episodes were. It was just animated Kirk and McCoy and, and Spock. Uh, really, really good stuff. So... This animated Trek, this Lower Decks show coming uh, in a few weeks, is is a it's a totally different flavor. It's it's, it's uh, you know I guess this is the the uh, the I don't know the peanut butter ripple compared to like the vanilla of the old Star Trek cartoon. Uh, so I'm intrigued. I, I I'm definitely curious. But will I be curious enough to reactivate my CBS All Access? Now that my friends is the real question, and I don't have an answer for you just yet. So let's stay tuned. I got a few more weeks to kind of uh, weigh the plus and minuses of turning CBS access back on and paying for another streaming service. Uh, if I were to turn it back on, I'd probably turn something off. But what would I turn off at this point? That's that's the rub, folks. You can't have all the streaming services, or at least I can't, because I don't want to get uh, yelled at by my wife. Uh, further in Star Trek news uh, is another animated series that was announced, and that would be a Star Trek... Uh, I'm sorry, it's titled Star Trek Prodigy, and it's coming soon to Nickelodeon. And uh, is this is supposed to be more kid-centric as well. Uh, I think it's fair to say, like I said, Lower Decks looks a lot like Rick and Morty-style kind of zany, crazy adventures. Prodigy sounds like it's going to be a little bit more kid-centered, and that's, that could be a good thing. It's supposed to follow a... Uh, how, how, let me see where the plot is. It's a, a group of lawless, quote-unquote, teenagers who find themselves aboard a derelict Starfleet vessel and they, uh, the, the assumption right now is that the ship is called Prodigy and these, these lawless teenagers, they take command and they boldly go where no other lawless teenagers have gone before could be an interesting premise for, for a kid's show, for sure I got nothing to say bad about that I would probably even be curious to check out a few episodes of it just depending on how kid-centric it is now let me switch gears back to Lower Decks real quick 
if the name of that show sounds familiar. Now, granted, uh, they've been talking about Star Trek Lower Decks animated series for a couple of years now, but I just wanted to mention too, for the old, for the old Star Trek fans that maybe that name's kind of like rattling around in your brain, in that brain of yours. That is the name of an episode, one of my favorite episodes from Star Trek: The Next Generation. I believe it is in the final season, the final seventh season, and it, it follows a group of junior officers on a, on a you know the daily and in, the, in their daily lives, uh, working beneath the senior officers and the, in the you know the bridge crew. And uh, it's a really great episode. I recommend it highly. And uh, I think another another reason why my brain's kind of clicking not or not clicking with that new animated series is because I think of that episode and how good it was and how serious it was. It was a very uh, a serious matter. It, matter very serious matter. Very serious episode. I mean the 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 struggles of these junior officers in trying to assert themselves and and, and get their feet under them as Starfleet officers. Uh, it follows a group of one, two, three Starfleet officers, and then like Guinan's uh, bar pending protege. I it, so it's like four characters, but like one's a bartender guy. So uh, you know what are you gonna do? I guess Guinan needed a bar back to haul the Romulan ale. But a great episode, highly recommend it. And uh, obviously, that's the, the that that episode is uh, the at least the spiritual inspiration for the Star Trek Lower Decks animated series. So let's hope... Hey, more Star Trek, more Star Trek is a good thing. So remember, we got, we got that Lower Decks to look forward to August 6th. At some point, we'll have Discovery Season 3, Picard Season 2, and then uh, the Star Trek Nickelodeon uh, Prodigy series. I don't think there's a date on this just yet, but it's Star Trek, so we'll be talking about it on this podcast. Don't you worry about that. All right, let me take a sip of beer right here. I got a I got a beer today that we have we haven't talked about it yet because when I, sometimes when I do these solo shows I get a little ahead of myself. Uh, and I'm having today I'm having the Doppeldacker Doppelbach from Latchkey. Uh, this is a really good German style beer. I'm a big fan of the Doppelbachs, and I can't recommend them highly enough. I love Latchkey. Anthony and the guys over at Latchkey. If you're over there in uh, in the Mission Hills area, check them out. They are, of course, shut down like a lot of other places in town, but they are doing the, the to-go options. You can swing by. I believe they still have cans of Doppeldecker, the, the Fogger, Pilsner, and uh, I think their All Rye, All Rye, All Rye IPA are still canned up. And if the cans are out, they, they, they do Crowlers too, man. So get, get some Crowlers and, uh, and go stream something on Netflix for the weekend. What do you think? All right, I think that sounds pretty good. All right, so what else we got coming out of Comic-Con at home right now? Well, a couple trailers dropped. So maybe you have heard, maybe you hadn't heard, but Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, the two of the guys uh, involved in Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Space, World's End, those great movies. Yeah, did you know? Maybe you didn't know. They have a show coming on Amazon Prime in the fall. It's called Truth Seekers. It's going to be an eight-episode show. Uh, where there, Nick Frost in particular is is a is a ghost hunter type of person. He has like a ghost hunter kind of show, and it's him and his team of ghost hunters, and they stumble across something uh, that is uh, a bit beyond them, and it looks like it should be a real hoot. I recommend the tra- the trailer came out today. That's why we're talking about it because I want you guys to go and watch the trailer. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. Simon Pegg has a really hilarious wig that he wears in this in this. Uh, and it looks like a winner. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It looks pretty funny. Uh, I love Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, obviously. Like, they're very much, uh, 
what this show is all about. So anything they're doing, we're going to talk about and we're going to support. So get ready for this show. Again, the exact date is not known. Uh, the fall is all that they're saying, but since it's about ghosts and stuff like that, I would not be surprised if it uh, drops in sometime in October. That is my guess. So get ready for that. It's going to be eight episodes of a... It's going to be a comedy, but it's going to have like spooky elements to it. So it's going to be fun. Watch the trailer. Let me know what you think, all right? All right, so another another trailer dropped today at Comic-Con at home. And I was much more pleased with this one than I was the second trailer. Or the first trailer, excuse me. Uh, a new trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music is out. And we were just talking. Roger and I were just talking about about Keanu and, and why he's apparently the coolest dude on the planet. And we, we, we did mention how we were both a little uh, disappointed. Well, maybe disappointed is a strong word. Roger and I both mentioned how we were, were not... We didn't have our socks knocked off with that first Bill and Ted Face the Music trailer. Uh, this one is much better. has a lot more death in it. <laughs> which, uh, depending on your, your feelings about Bill and Ted's bogus journey, maybe that's a, a bad thing. I don't know. But the Wild Stallions are back. This trailer, uh, much more uh, germane to the plot, I suppose. It's just a little bit more of it of what's going on. It shows more of, of Bill and Ted with their daughters. And I, again, now I'm, I'm pretty stoked, but what I thought was, what I thought was very cool about this announcement was, and I don't think I may be wrong. Maybe this was out there before. Uh, but I don't think it was widely known that this movie is going to be released simultaneously in theaters, whatever theaters are open, wherever theaters are open. Uh, and on demand at the same time. So September 1st, you can go see this in theaters or on demand, depending on if theaters are open where you're, where you're, where you're living. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I, you know, I've talked about it before on the show, I'm not comfortable with the idea of going to the movies right now. I don't think I will be by September 1st. But Bill and Ted, uh, Face the Music, is a movie that I will happily drop 20 bucks to watch. Because I would have I gone to see it in the theaters anyways, and even if... I'll just pretend I was going to go twice, because I'll be honest, I don't think my wife wants to see it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll just pretend I'm going to see it twice. Or I'll use that 24-hour rental period and I'll watch it twice, so I get my money's worth out of it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that's a really cool thing. You know, the movie industry is in a, in a, in a really rough spot right now because of, of everything going on. And, you know, a lot of our movies, you know, we, we should have seen Black Widow by now. We should have been seeing Wonder Woman by now. Um... But unfortunately, we can't, and the studios are just hanging on to them because, you know, they're not to that point yet where they want to put them on video on demand. Because I think they still think that they can rake in more money at the box office, even if they just wait. They're not in that those dires of straits yet where they're like, we have to put this on demand right now and get as much cash as we can. They're not there yet. I don't know what's going to change. Um, I, you know, I th I think people have given up flattening the curve. That doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. So, I, you know, I, I just don't know. But I love the fact that Bill and Ted will be in theaters where they can be, but it's going to have the on-demand option, too. I think that's great. So let's 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 support Bill and Ted, you know? I mean, it's not like Keanu's not doing great right now. Might, might as well keep, it, keep that train rolling. What do you think? All right. So that does it for the Comic-Con at home news that I have for you guys right now. Now, I did want to talk about two things that are very... Uh, uh, intrinsic so far to this podcast, things that we've talked about in the past that I wanted to kind of bring up again. Uh, because, well, I like them, damn it. And I'm hoping maybe you guys are checking them out and maybe you're liking them too. So I just recently watched uh, the 10th episode of the first season of Stargirl. 
Now, we've been talking about Stargirl for a few weeks on the show. We've also been talking about the DC Universe app on the show. So big news. We talked a little bit about it with Roger, but it's been announced that Season 2 of Stargirl will be on the CW. It will not be an exclusive to the DC Universe anymore. I don't even think it's going to be on DC Universe anymore. Uh, and DC Universe also eliminated their annual subscription plan from, from purchasing options, for subscription options. Now, you if you wanted to do the DC Universe, which at this point, why would you want to? You have to do the uh, higher monthly fee than you would of the annual fee, which saved you a significant portion of dough. Just another another indication that this streaming platform is, is coming to an end or else it's going to be uh, more wholly folded into the HBO Max platform that's, that's now available. Uh, maybe they'll clarify that with us sometime down the road, but I, you know, who knows? My, my, my suspicion is that it would be, if they, they won't announce anything until December, it'd be my guess, because that's when most of the annual subscriptions uh, roll over and would, would renew in theory. Uh, though I suspect by this point they'll just be canceled outright, and at the end of the year, the DC Universe is no more, or it's folded into HBO Max. I don't know. We will, we will see. Uh, but this week, this past, uh, gosh, was it last night? No, I think it was Tuesday night. Uh, episode 10 of Stargirl aired, and then the episode is titled Brainwave Jr., and uh, it was an episode that I was very, very impressed with. You know, this is a show I've, I've kind of mentioned, not necessarily my struggles, but sometimes I definitely have a hard time relating to the actions of teenage people because I am an old man. And that, that's okay. The, 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 I, I understand the show's not aimed at me, so that's fine. There, there are going to be things that I don't get. Luckily, I have Luke Wilson to, to connect with. We are the old men of the show. And I look at those youngsters, and I'm like, why don't you listen to Luke Wilson? He's, he's trying to make sure you stay safe, kids. And that's who I've become in my old age. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, but episode 10, this was a real... Uh, um, I, I don't know if eye-opener is the right word, but for so long, the, the, you know, Luke Wilson's character, Pat, has, has been trying to warn these kids that the path they're on is fraught with danger... And, and and we've seen it like they, like they, they they have had severe growing pains as they learn to become superheroes as they uh, attempt to uh, better themselves and overcome their own inner turmoil and and become the superheroes that they uh, the legacy heroes that they want to become like you know the new Iron Man has to live up to the legacy of his forebears and and same thing with with Doctor Midnight and Wildcat and and you know so they have things to overcome and it's been a struggle and. In episode ten, it I think it got for these characters it got beyond real uh, as they engage in a fight with the Injustice Society, and at the end of the episode it gets nuts. Um, I won't spoil the episode for you guys because uh, I like I said I do hope you're watching it or maybe you have a plan to watch it once it moves over to Netflix at the end of the season. You can just binge all of it, you know, in a couple days. Uh, but I was again I was really really impressed with what they did in episode 10, how episode 10 ended, uh, but also the, the way episode 10 began, because it, it, see, episode 9 ended with something of a cliffhanger, as, as, as Courtney and Pat were, were, were uh, exposed in a certain, certain sense of the word, and they had to kind of do some explaining in the beginning of this episode. And so I thought a lot of that was handled really, really well. I think this has probably been my favorite episode. Uh, and this has been a show that each episode especially the second half of the season, has really been picking up, up steam. So I wanted to point it out to you guys. Again, I know 
If you're a middle-aged white man like me, maybe you don't think this show's for you, and I, I completely understand that. But it's worth a watch. If you're into superheroes, and, and particularly you enjoy that, that journey of the young superhero into, into a better superhero, kind of like that Spider-Man-esque thing, or in Roger's case, that Teen Titans-esque thing, you know, where you're, 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 you're watching and you're growing with these characters. Um, yeah, a really strong episode, and I, I, this, this show's really been, uh, again, impressing me as of late. So check it out. It's on the CW right now, but I suspect it will also be on Netflix uh, at, once the season concludes. Switch to DCS Ranging. 240, nominal to profile. We're in the pipe, five by five. All right, so the final thing I wanted to talk about today with you guys, with everybody listening, um, again, I'm going to refer back to Patreon videos that I, that I did a couple months ago. Uh, a few months back, I uh, spoke of my interest in a book that is being that was being adapted to a series for Netflix, and that would be uh, Cursed, illustrated by Frank Miller and written by Thomas Wheeler. It is one of the reasons why it is of interest to me in particular is I am a fan of Arthurian legend, the the legend of King Arthur, Excalibur, sometimes even the Holy Grail. Sometimes it's all in that mix together. Uh, I I I am a fan of that world of that Arthurian legend. I love it. I love all the different iterations and all the different takes. And you know, some takes are good and some takes are bad. But I'm I'm always interested in watching it and kind of seeing if they, I don't know, bring anything new to the legend to the mythology. Um, and that's what this is. This is uh, this is a new, a very new, a very modern, in a lot of ways, take on the Arthurian legend. The show is out on Netflix now, and it's been streaming uh, since this past Friday. And I'll be honest, it has fairly mixed reviews so far. Some people are are more into it than others, and, and uh, a lot of reviews seem to say a lot of the same things that it's it's kind of uneven in a lot of places. And um, you know. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't think I would have been surprised otherwise, uh, because, well, it's very different. <laughs> it's a very different show uh, than I think a lot of people were expecting. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. Uh, I have watched the first three episodes, and let me check my notes here. The first three episodes, episode one is titled Nimue, which is the name of our central character. The The female is the, a young girl, a young fey girl named Nimue, who... Depending on which which legend you might be most familiar with, uh, is is the Lady of the Lake basically in certain retellings of the of the of the legend of the myth. So this is kind of her story, and and how events circle around her that lead to King Arthur and the and the the Knights of the Round Table and, and that kind of things. Episode two is titled Cursed, and this is about Nimue and her powers and her, uh, sort of like the origins of her abilities and why. People are scared of her. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then episode three, which is titled Alone. And we'll get into that a little bit too. Now, episode one introduces a lot of things. Um, but before we get too much into that, I, I do want to put it out there right on, the, right, on, right, on, right on Front Street. You know, much like Stargirl is a show for a much younger audience than, than me, uh, Cursed is very much for a younger audience than me. Than me. Uh, it, it is very much a young adult novel. It is very much a young adult series. And these aren't bad things. But I want you to know that ahead of time, if you are going to go ahead and give it a try and give it a watch. Um, 
do, do not expect a ton of historical accuracy because you're not going to find that. Uh, do not expect to find uh, a lot of a lot of fact because you're not going to find that either. This this show, and I'm assuming the book, which I have to I, I confess I've not read the book yet. I just you know I still had school in the in, in the spring, so I wasn't going to be able to. But I do plan to watch it after. I'm sorry, I do plan to read the book after I finish season one, so I can kind of take notes and kind of compare the two things. I am very, very curious. Plus, with illustrations by Frank Miller, I was kind of predisposed to, to check this book out anyways. Uh, that said... So yeah, it's it's YA. It's it's young adult. It's a different world. It's it's very fantastical in a lot of senses. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, you can tell it's supposed to be set during, you know, our, our Dark Ages period of history. Uh, because there are, there are re- reflections of, of historical things, but the, you know, again, we're not dealing with fact, we're dealing with myth and, and legend, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to dismiss that. That's actually one of the things I like about the show is that it just, it really just kind of embraces the legend and that, you know what, because they say right at the beginning of the, of the first episode that, uh, this is a story lost to the mists of time. So they're they're just making it all up, and they're okay with that, and like that's a good thing. I'm, I I dig it. So we have Nimue. We eventually are going to meet a, an, a, a a young, presumably the future King Arthur. Uh, again, Nimue is of the Fey folk. They are the possessors of the Sword of Power. Sword of Power, very Lord of the Ring esque naming of what I assume is Excalibur. And we find out that Nimue has. Uh, powers in in, in 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 as much as they've explained it so far in three episodes, uh, she's able to access something called the hidden ones. We don't know much about that yet, or at least I don't. After three episodes, I'm I'm hoping there's a little bit more elaboration with that. But it seems very much uh, a a pagan esque sort of situation. You know, very much we are of the earth. We uh, we are empowered by the earth because when she activates these powers, they they get like like a green leaves and, and vines on, on their cheeks, and it looks very uh, Swamping-esque, like she's of the green. So it, it and that's kind of sort of one of the, one of the many uh, clashes in the story, is the, the pagan and, pagans and the, and the earth love, <laughs> for lack of a better description, uh, versus Christianity and, and the rise of the one god, versus Versus the in the, versus the the many gods and 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 how the uh, the the Christians are basically fanatics. They they are in this story they are the red paladins. They are led by a man named Brother Theo, and they have basically a um, a, a the red paladins are warrior monks to in, in a sense, and they are leading a a genocide basically of Fey folk and others who are of a more pagan uh, lifestyle. You know who are non Christians basically. They also have an, an enforcer amongst them, uh, who is known as the the monk who weeps, and that's because he has these uh these like bloodlines down from the corners of his eyes. Apparently, he bleeds, he weeps blood from his eyes, and that uh, has given him insight into like the Fey folk, and is now like the number one enforcer of the Red Paladins. Uh, again, you're you're introduced to a lot of these things. Uh, you're introduced at first in the first. I'm sorry, you're introduced initially in that first episode but stuff like the red paladins and and uh, the, the the monk who weeps you get to know a little bit more about them and their and their their situation what they're doing uh in episode two in episode three there, there is a good exploration of things to come 
of, of what's going on. Perhaps the most interesting character in the story so far for me uh, has been has been uh, Merlin, and uh, because it's Merlin, like Merlin has to be in the, in the Arthur myth, right? I mean, that's just the way it goes. And now Merlin, interestingly enough, at least to me, is is is, uh, is played by an actor named uh, Gustav Skarsgård, who I think many people may remember or still know as because the show's not over yet; the final season is yet to come. But uh, he is Floki on Vikings. So uh, Merlin is Floki, which is fun for me as a fan of Vikings. But uh, he, uh, Skarsgård plays Merlin as, as, uh, as a drunk who's seen too much of the world and knows that the world is kind of crumbling in darkness. And despite his involvement with like, these, these shadow lords uh, who he helped forge the sort of power with to find the true king who would lead them all to Camelot and glory days... Um, He's now sick of it all, and he wants to end everything, and he wants to end the Sword of Power. So he's on sort of this competing quest with Nimue. But what's Nimue's quest? We haven't gotten there yet. I skipped ahead. What are you going to do? Well, her folk, her fey folk, are massacred by the Red Paladins and Brother Theo and the Monk That Weeps. And we find out that her mother, who is the uh, spiritual leader of the clan, has the Sword of Power. So the Sword of Power is entrusted to Nimue, and she must get it to safety I don't want to go over too many of the, of the specific plot points, because there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them. Uh, but one of the things I like about the story so far is, uh, I, I really like the character of Nimue so far. Uh, I, uh, her acting, uh, Catherine Langford plays Nimue. Uh, you've probably have seen her in a couple different things, mostly stuff on Netflix. But she was recently in uh, Knives Out as, as Meg Thrombley. Thrombley? I think I got the names right. She, you know, Jamie Lee's daughter in, in Knives Out. Uh... So her acting's been kind of attacked a little bit. She, the, a lot of reports, or a lot of articles have kind of, kind of said that uh, she's the weakest part of the show. Um, I don't know if that's true so far. Again, I'm, I'm three episodes in, uh, and I kind of like where, she, where, she, where they're taking her. There are story structure problems that I have bigger issues with than Catherine Langford's acting. I think her acting's just fine. I think sometimes a story that she has for that each specific episode isn't great. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit uh, right now, I guess, because uh, episode one and two, again, they're, they're almost they're almost one part in a lot of senses. You know, it, it, it goes from one to the other really quickly. The two things, the two episodes, uh, you know, she gets the sort of power at the end of the first episode as her people are being massacred. And we've had a brief introduction as she tries to flee from her people, as she tries to run away, because she's an outcast there, because of her powers, because of her abilities. They think that she is um, in, in league with dark spirits and dark demons and, and things of that nature. And so she tries to escape, and that's how we go to this town. Whose name I don't remember. Hawksbridge, maybe? And we meet a young Arthur, who is a mercenary, trying to find his place in the world. And we find out in episode three, where he comes from and some of his origin and his backstory and why he is sort of the way he is and the things that he'll have to overcome if he wants to become the king of England and, and those kind of things. Even though that's not something that's aspirational for him at the moment, he's just trying to regain honor for his family. I, I know I'm skipping around a lot, but they, this, this show does throw a lot at you from the very, very beginning because uh, there's a lot of characters and they don't really... Again, I'm three episodes in, and the way they're kind of rolling it out is very, very interesting. Uh, but as I was saying about Nimue, what I like about her character so far is I really like what Catherine Langford's doing in 
the way that she is is showing the the difficulty of 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 isol of, of being isolated because you're different from from the people around you, and and how that can affect you and how that can change your worldview on things. Uh, it's it's really really interesting, and I, I, I again that's that's one of the things that I really like about the story. I again you have that that clash between uh, Christianity and 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 paganism. That you have the the clash between uh, Merlin's lost faith, and then I'm assuming you're gonna find out that Nimue has faith. So I'm assuming that cl clash is coming. There's gonna be a lot more coming up in the show. There, I still have a bunch of episodes to watch, but I will say. So again, I liked episodes one and two very much. Episode three, I ran into some story problems, and uh, most of that has to do with the fact that uh, at the end of episode two, Arthur is helping Nimue escape. From the Red Paladins, she's being hunted by the Red Paladins and the monk who weeps. And because when she uses her power, she gets she gets a little sleepy. She gets a little like Baby Yoda, so she had to go on a little nap nap. And Arthur, the night before, Arthur had seen the sword and was very impressed by it. And and um, he decides to take the sword when 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 he gets her to safety and she passes out. He takes the sword, and you wonder if maybe he's gonna follow and do, deliver. On the promise that Nimue made to her dying mother, which was to deliver the sword to Merlin. And in episode three, you find out that's not the case. Arthur is going to use the sword to fall to fulfill the prom the dying promise. Uh, I'm sorry, the promise that he made to his dying father to uh, restore honor to their family. So that's when you get into Arthur's origin, and Ar Arthur's origin is uh, the most interesting part of episode three. My my biggest problems with episode three come in uh, with Arthur has left. Nimue in the care of his sister, who was uh, sold, perhaps, to some nuns at, at, a, at a faraway abbey. And Arthur leaves her, Nimue in her sister's care. These nuns also happen to be at the abbey where the Red Paladins are headquartered. So the, these, sister, these nuns and these paladins are kind of like one and the same, right? But everyone's even though they don't seem to like her very much, is helping Nimue for no real good reason. The only thing I could think about is is Christian values, Christian charity? Because Nimue's done nothing uh, to earn their, their kindness, to earn their trust, to earn them lying to protect her from the Red Paladins once the Red Paladins become suspicious that she may be amongst them, hiding amongst them. Uh, so that was kind of my... my, my Ugh, not, I don't know if concern is the right word. My problem with episode three was is, is I felt like a lot of things were happening just because it was like the writers were like, well, this has to happen so that we can get from A to B to C. And, you know, you know, my you know, me and my quibbles on things like that. you got to earn that kind of stuff, you know, and, and there's a there's a, there's a scene that they could have put earlier in the episode that would have solved this problem. But they chose not to do that. They chose to let it linger on, so I spent half the episode wondering, like, why are they helping her? She's done nothing to earn their help. And she's been kind of a pain in the ass about it the entire time, too. Again, I blame the writing for that. I don't blame uh, Catherine Langford or any of the other actors in the, in the, in the scenes. Uh, I think they were given shit to work with in episode three. Um, I, I feel like that's all I have to say about that so far, except we end on a really strong note uh, at the end of episode three because 
our characters are in a precarious position. You know, Arthur has been arrested. The Red Paladins have taken control of the sword. And uh, we know that uh, Nimue has befriended Arthur's sister Morgana. And that they seem to be hopefully in league with each other. But where will it go from there? I don't know. Because there's, there's so many more characters in the show that we haven't understood yet. Again, Merlin is on his quest to try and get the sword so that he can, he can destroy it. Uh, we don't exactly know what the, what the Paladins want the sword for. Other than the fact that it seems to be that they think that that will with the sword that means one of their one of their own can assume the the throne and become the king. We have Uther Pendragon in the story, but he seems to be a bit of a vile, corrupt king. So we're not quite sure why we should like him. But again, Pendragon. If you know the Arthurian myth, you know that Arthur's surname is Pendragon, Arthur Pendragon. So will there be? Uh, will Arthur find his way into this house? I, you know, I don't know how this is all going to shake out. Again, this is a new take on Arthurian legend. I, uh, when this book was first announced a couple of years ago, I thought it was like a prequel to Arthurian legend. Like, this is what happens before. Uh, but it's not so much that. This, this is a, a, a new retelling of Arthurian legend. And uh, I, I'm in so far. I am, I'm into it so far. Three episodes in. Again, I know the reviews are kind of middling for it. Um, but I know a couple of people who've really liked the show too. So I'm, I'm very curious if anyone out there listening to the podcast has had a chance to check any of it out. What do you think so far? Am I way off base that it, that it does have potential? Uh, again, I'm three episodes in. What do I know? And that's all I got to say about that. So let me know. Uh, this, again, this is a, a, a bit of a different episode because I'm doing these solo. Uh, I haven't done a solo show in a little while other than the Patreon shows. So, you know, a, a, gosh darn. But this is the time where we're watching a lot of entertainment at home, so we're trying new things. And again, I, I told you, I'm a sucker for the Arthurian legend. Give me that King Arthur stuff all day long. Give me the sword and the stone. Give me all of it. T.H. White, Le Mort d'Arthur, give me all of it. I, I want it all. Uh, I love that shit. So a new version of King Arthur is perfectly acceptable to me. I, I should warn you, not that anyone in this audience has a problem with it, but this is a very female-centric story, which I think is a good thing. I think that's an interesting thing. How many times have we seen this story from Arthur's perspective? Let's mix it up a little bit. And, by the way, they do not have a problem with people of different skin colors in this show at all. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, is, is race swapping the terminology for it? It doesn't matter. I don't pay attention to it. You shouldn't either, so don't be alarmed if you see something you're like, wait, that's not right. Remember, we're not dealing with history, people. We're not dealing with facts. This is legend, this is myth. They can do whatever they want, all right? And even if it was, like, facts, fuck it. Who cares? It's 2020. Who gives a shit? Just make a good story, which, again, my problem is episode three. Not a great episode. Yeah, the third episode. Not a great story. Half and half. Very uneven. Very uneven episode. But of the three episodes I've watched... I'm still like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm still in. I'm still in. Let's see where the rest of this goes. We'll see how fast I can process the rest of the series of season one. We don't know if there'll be a season two yet. We'll see. And uh, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it wasn't too much listening to me talk straight for an hour, uh, not having having uh, you know anyone here with me to to provide uh, a break from my vocal cords. 
Um, and I keep using filler words. God damn me. Uh, one day I'll get better at that, boys and girls. One day. So I want to thank everyone again for listening to the show. It It is... I wouldn't be here if I didn't have wonderful, kind people like you guys, guys and gals, listening and, and supporting the show and checking us out and, and, and all that good stuff. I want to thank, once again, the official members of Pophead Nation. Thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Mr. Jeff Neal, co-host of The Ringing Ear. Thank you to Evil Circle, the evilest of all the circles. Thank you to the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, and our newest member, our newest devotee of Pophead Nation, the New Jersey Devil himself, Mark Wegemer. Thank you so much for joining Pophead Nation. And thanks for listening to the show. Even if you're not an official member of Pophead Nation, you're, you're still part of the, part of the club in, in, a, in a way. Because you're here, you're listening, you're supporting. Make sure you are subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, whatever format you like. Find us there and like, subscribe, share the show. If you have the chance, write that five-star review. Uh, this, this, that's the best way to get the word out about what we're doing here. Small podcasts like us, you know, it's real easy for us to get lost in the shuffle because there's so many new podcasts out right now. And uh, those five-star reviews help us a ton. So make sure you're following the show on social media as well and, and find me and engage with me there. Tomcast Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram. You can email the show TomcastPopcast at gmail.com if you need more characters than what Twitter will allow. All right? So with that being said, uh, we'll be back very, very soon. I think either, uh, you know, I'm not sure who, who, somebody's coming to be here with me on Monday because we're going to do a show Monday and we're going to recap all the stuff from Comic-Con at home. At least uh, that seems to be the most likely scenario because it feels like a ton of stuff is going to be happening in the next couple days. All right. Thank you guys and gals so much for listening to this podcast. It is my absolute pleasure to do this for you guys and gals. And I will talk to you all very, very soon. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear the mask. All that good stuff. Talk to you soon. Ciao, babes. So as I was saying, the amount of money I'm going to be making would hurt your parents' feelings. You remember the class where I taught you all how to make it rain? That's what I'm going to be doing every single night. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions!